0: Welcome back to TanakhCast. This is episode 214. We'll conclude the Scroll of Lamentations with a brief summary of chapters 4 and 5 and follow with some thoughts about seeing the same but concluding differently. Chapter 4's acrostic works on two levels. First, it plucks at our hearts with the portrait of human suffering and loss in the face of devastation. Then it layers on even more pain as it describes the disconnect between suffering humanity and God. Quote, How has gold turned dull? How tarnished finest gold? The sacred gems spilled out at the corner of each street. Zion's precious children, worth their weight in gold. How are they reckoned as earthenware jars, the work of the potter's hands? In two verses, the poet evokes wealth, security, and prosperity and the sacred temple, but they are all lost, tarnished, spilled out onto the street. What's truly at stake in this moment, the real gold, is our children, but they are treated as worthless earthenware. And by using the acrostic, the poet intimates that the suffering is thorough and complete, like the aleph bit, from aleph to tav is complete. Chapter 5 is about remembering the past and how wonderful and glorious it was, but now it's all gone. Quote, Our heart's joy is no more. Our dance has turned to mourning. The crown of our head has fallen. Woe to us, for we have offended. For this our heart is anguished. For these our eyes go dark. On Mount Zion, that is desolate, foxes go about. In the poet's final moments, he makes a plea to replace erasure with memory. And distance with closeness. Quote, bring us back to you, Adonai, that we come back, renew our days as of old. Rabbi Akiva, who we mentioned in episode 210, declared that, quote, For all the writings are holy, but the Song of Songs is the holy of holies. This settled the debate about whether to include Song of Songs in the canon. I also recounted how, if anyone could have made the case that Song of Songs is an allegory for the Jewish people's love for God, it was Akiva, whose martyrdom embodied this allegorical interpretation. What does this have to do with Lamentations? You'll see in a minute. Akiva lived in a tumultuous time. He was born in 50 CE and was martyred on the 28th of September, 135. He was 17 when the zealots provoked Rome and launched the Great Revolt. He was 20 when four Roman legions laid siege to Jerusalem, sacked the city, and destroyed the temple. He would eventually become the leading Tana, that is, Mishnaic sage of his age, the greatest Tanaim of the middle of the second century, came from his school, notably Rabbi Meir, Yehuda bar Eli, Shimon bar Yochai, Yosei ben Chalafta, Eleazar ben Shamai, and Rabbi Nehemiah. According to legend, Akiva also had thousands of disciples. The numbers range from 12 to 48,000. Akiva was also a political figure being closely tied to Rabban Gamliel II, who was the driving force for reconstituting the Patriarchate after the destruction and the dispersal of the Sanhedrin. Gamaliel II saw the Rabbinic Academy as a form of semi-autonomous Jewish government. He appointed Akiva as an organizer and representative of that government, as well as a judge in the Rabbinic court. In 95, although some say 96, Akiva accompanied Rabban Gamliel to Rome, probably to galvanize support for the renewed patriarchate, as a story in the Babylonian Talmud recounts. It comes to us from Tractate Makot, folio page 24a and b, quote, And it once was that Rabban Gamliel, Rabbi Eleazar ben Azariah, Rabbi Yoshua, and Rabbi Akiva were walking along the road, and they heard the sound of the multitudes of Rome, from Putioli, at a distance of 120 mil. And they began weeping, and Rabbi Akiva was laughing. They said to him, For what reason are you laughing? Rabbi Akiva said to them, And you, for what reason are you weeping? They said to him, These Gentiles who bow to false gods and burn incense to idols dwell securely and tranquilly in this colossal city. And for us, The house of the footstool of our God, the temple, is burnt by fire, and shall we not weep? Rabbi Akiva said to them, that is why I am laughing. If, for those who violate his will, the wicked, it is so, and they are rewarded for the few good deeds they performed, for those who perform his will, all the more so will be rewarded. Some have opined that Akiva's trip to Rome and his time spent in Nahardea, sometime before 110 CE in the Parthian Empire, Rome's rival to the east, and time spent in other important Jewish communities in the diaspora was not just for the purposes of study and teaching. Some have asserted that Akiva used these opportunities to establish networks to provide logistical and financial support for a possible second revolt against Rome, This has been asserted because Akiva was a full-throated supporter of the Bar Kokhba revolt of 132-136. to He regarded Bar Kokhba as the Mashiach, the Messiah, although this is the only real evidence of active participation by Akiva in the revolution. Some modern scholars argue that Akiva's disciples, numbering in the tens of thousands, died fighting for Bar Kokhba. This too is speculation. We see glimpses or hints of Akiva's messianic tendencies in the story from Makot on his visit to Rome, seeing through Rome's power and might and expressing faith that God will deliver God's people despite the odds. Makot continues with the following story. On another occasion, they were ascending to Jerusalem. When they arrived at Mount Scopus, which overlooks the city and the ruined Temple Mount, they rent their garments in mourning. When they arrived at the Temple Mount, they saw a fox that emerged from the sight of the Holy of Holies. They began weeping, and Rabbi Akiva was laughing. They said to him, For what reason are you laughing? Rabbi Akiva said to them, For what reason are you weeping? They said to him, This is the place concerning which it is written, And the non-priest who approaches shall die, and now foxes walk in it. And shall we not weep? Rabbi Akiva said to them, that is why I am laughing as it is written, quote, and I will take to me faithful witnesses to attest Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Yevarech Yahu. Now what is the connection between Uriah and Zechariah? He clarifies the difficulty. Uriah prophesies during the first temple period and Zechariah prophesies during the second temple period. Rather, the verse established that fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah is dependent on the fulfillment of the prophecy of Uriah. In the prophecy of Uriah it is written, Therefore for your sake Zion shall be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become rubble, and the Temple Mount as the high places of a forest where foxes are found. In the prophecy of Zechariah it is written, There shall yet be elderly men and elderly women sitting in the streets of Jerusalem. Until the prophecy of Uriah was fulfilled, I was afraid that the prophecy of Zechariah would not be fulfilled. Now that the prophecy of Uriah was fulfilled, it is evident that the prophecy of Zechariah remains valid. The sages said to him with this formulation, Akiva, you have comforted us. Akiva, you have comforted us. Akiva's interpretive powers are brought to bear in this story and the previous one, as well as the story about his martyrdom. Recall that Akiva was martyred for violating Hadrian's edicts against the practice and the teaching of the Jewish religion. His death occurred after several years of imprisonment, which places it about 132, before the suppression of the Bar Kokhba revolt in 135. But throughout his life, Akiva saw what others could not see, be it in the text or in the world. A legend is recounted in the Babylonian Talmud, Tractate Menachot, folio page 29b, about Moshe going up to Sinai to receive the Torah. Quote, he found the Holy One sitting and tying crowns on the letters of the Torah. Moshe said before God, Master of the universe, who is preventing you from giving the Torah without these additions? God said to him, there is a man who is destined to be born after several generations, and Akiva ben Yosef is his name. He is destined to derive from each and every thorn of these crowns mounds upon mounds of halakhot laws. It is for his sake that the crowns must be added to the letters of the Torah. So when the great sages saw a fox going about the In the space where the Holy of Holies used to stand, they wept. It was bad enough that the temple was destroyed, but that the temple mount lay barren and unkept for such a long time that it reverted to a wild natural state, that was truly heartbreaking, and compounded onto that the possibility that it might never be rehabilitated and rebuilt, well, that's just too much. Akiva took in the same information, but connected the dots differently to derive a different conclusion. Foxes going about is a symbol of abandonment and neglect, but Akiva understood this as a necessary stage, a precursor to renewal. He marshaled quotes from scripture to support this formulation. His argument was so persuasive that the greatest sages of his time, upon hearing his words, ceased their weeping and said, quote, Akiva, you have comforted us. Akiva's words were a comfort then as is the penultimate verse of Lamentations. When Lamentations is read aloud in synagogues on the 9th of Av, the synagogue is symbolically wrecked. Lecterns are toppled onto their sides, and congregants sit on the floor in proverbial mourning. Foxes go about. Although the scroll's penultimate verse includes the poet's heartfelt plea, the final verse kicks us while we're down. Literally, quote, For indeed you have rejected us, You have been grievously furious with us, forcing us to contend with the reality, with the predicament that we created because we did it to ourselves. We strayed from righteousness. We got carried away with our own power. God poured out God's rage on us, and we are thus amidst the ruins because of our arrogance, because we wouldn't listen. But Jewish tradition cannot let this gut punch of a scroll end on this note. We look at the ruins, and like Akiva, come to a different conclusion. We read the penultimate verse again to conclude our terrible reading with a note of consolation. Quote, Bring us back to you, Adonai, that we come back. Renew our days as of old. If you like what we heard today, spread the word about Tanakhcast. Tell a friend about Tanakhcast over coffee. Send another friend an email or text, nothing fancy. Help your aunt who just got her first smartphone to download a podcatcher and subscribe to Nachcast. And if you have a spare moment after all that, write a brief glowing review at Apple Podcasts. Apparently, it helps people who might be interested in a little Bible learning for this podcast. And it's also a nice thing to do. If you want to help in an even bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast at Patreon.com and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis, and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that, and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for... Episode 215, when we begin the scroll of Ecclesiastes with chapters 1 through 3.